day ever. Your best hair day ever. Your best hair day ever. Welcome to Your Best Hair Day Ever podcast, where we will be talking to sensational women from around the globe about their best hair day, their worst hair day, and everything in between. If you want to learn the secrets to having your best hair days, pick up the book, Your Best Hair Day Ever by Everbutter CEO, Detroit born and raised, and your host, Kambari Owens. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Hello to all of my wonderful listeners. I am Kambari Owens, host of Your Best Hair Day Ever. We are sitting down chatting with the lovely Kimberly Lewis. Kim's second favorite thing to do in the world is talk to people. The first is eating yummy food. She is the co-founder of Curl Mix, the first DIY box for curly hair. Her innovative take on do-it-yourself hair products has won her praise from top industry publications such as Refinery29, Essence Magazine, Ebony Magazine, Hype Hair Magazine, and Naturally Curly. With a bachelor's degree in logistics and marketing from the University of Illinois, Kim has taken the DIY spirit to heart, building curl mix from the ground up to six figures within less than a year. Well, wow. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, Kimbar. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. Thanks for agreeing to do it. I'm excited to get to the interview questions. Absolutely. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Stimmy, just from your background, because I met you when you were doing NHA. And so people who are listening, they may say, wow, I've started a business. It's been 10 years and I haven't made it to six figures. Can you give a background of the build up to this? Yeah, just real quick. So I started a different business right out of, well, I worked as a district manager for Aldi for three months after graduation from college and I hated it a ton. And then I jumped headfirst into my first business, which was called the Natural Hair Academy. And it was a social network for natural hair. At the time, I thought that, you know, our audience or our curly hair women, we don't have a place where we can convene and discuss our hair and talk to each other and really get tangible educational resources. And so it's like, you know, we can build a social network for natural hair because I thought, well, duh, we need one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did that for about a year and a half. And I made some really valuable industry connections, like with you guys, with everybody like with the scientists, just a ton of people when I first started, Alyssa Forever, things like that. And then after doing it, I was like, you know, I'm going to have to be a media company if I want to make money. <laughs> Duh. So like, that's how social networks make money. And I was like, I do not want to be a media company. Because basically we had to pass so much content mm-hmm. and you have to, you know, work with clients. It was just, it was just more of a service business yeah. than it was a product company. And I was just like, you know what? I, I don't want to do this. And so after about a year and a half, I put it down, but by that time I had picked up so many skills. I had learned how to do web design. I had learned photography, graphic design. And at the time, I was a DIYer. I was a DIYer since I started my natural hair journey. And I was just kind of, you know, in limbo. Then it closed me out one business, a little depressed uh, because it failed in my, in my eyes because we didn't make money. We had gotten our first check, I think, from Onyx Fox, where they kind of purchased like some aspects on our website. 
And I was like, this is awesome. I was like, but this is not what I want to do. So I closed up shop and we basically, I was just trying to figure out what my next business would be. But because it was so hard on the service business, I was like, my next business is going to be a product company and we're going to make money on day one. I'm not doing this whole year and a half with no money again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of feel like I paid for an MBA because I definitely spent money, spent thousands of dollars on that business, <laughs> <laughs> even though I didn't make any. And so when we started Chromex, I actually was afraid to do it because I didn't think that, you know, I didn't know if it was a need and I didn't think people would pay for it. And so we launched and I sold one box to my cousin (laughs) and I was like, you know what, honey, like no one wants this. We shouldn't do this. She's like, I'm surely if Airbnb can relaunch seven times, Columbus can relaunch twice. And so I went back to the drawing board. I started reading, doing tons of research, reaching out to bloggers. I redid my entire PR push. And then we ended up getting like a lot of big names to uh, feature our launch. And we ended up selling 100 boxes on the first day. And so, you're right. So that like really helped us get to several hundred boxes or several hundred orders a month. So I think at our peak, we were doing maybe four or 500 orders in a month. And so that's kind of how we went from like maybe 3,000 a month to maybe 15 or so on a monthly basis. And that's kind of how we got to triple digits within our first year. Wow. Awesome. Very awesome. And very Thank inspiring. <laughs> Aside from, you know, the curl mix and then NHA from, you know, cause you went to school or whatnot. I mean, did entrepreneurship just was always on your mind or is it something that just happened? So I went to school for logistics. Well, I had a double major. I'm in the college of business at the university of Illinois. And I studied marketing and my, and I knew I was going to need some kind of te- technical skill because all the black girls in the college of business did marketing. So I was like, I'm going to need to get a job after this. And I need to have something that they don't have because, you know, that's how they're going to, ha- they're going to look at us as all the same. Even though that's not how I view us. I knew that the companies when they would come right, down right. filling their diversity quota, that's how they're going to look at us. And so I was like, I need something technical. And so I saw supply chain management and I, you know, how it's basically the behind the scenes process of pretty much any consumer facing good that you've ever seen. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I can do this. It's like soft engineering skills, essentially. And so I was studying that. And so all of my jobs, and it's fun. I'm glad I did that because everything I got hired for after college or even my internships were all supply chain management related. So I worked at General Mills as an intern at the plants where they made Progresso soup and Old El Paso tacos and, you know, getting to see the behind the scenes process. So I didn't work on the line producing the materials, but I worked in maybe the office of the factory where mm-hmm. we would go over specs, you know, and the specs are like, every package should be this, you know, this many inches or this color or this design or this fine print. And so someone has to do that. And so my job was working with the people who did that or managing inventory and managing when certain items would be produced. And so I think having that background experience really helped me produce a do-it-yourself kit because mm-hmm. I knew everything that needed to go behind or, you know, everything that needed to happen in the behind the scenes to produce a final product. And so I was planning on working in corporate for all of my college career. And when I got there, I was like, these people don't care about me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, was like I am a cog in the wheel. And I was like, and that's fine, but I cannot be one of those people who are like, I've been here for 20 years. I was like, is that what? Is that what you expect from me? And it was. And when my manager first got word that maybe I wasn't planning on being at the company for 20 years, he sat down and had a talk with me. And I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, like, wow. 
I got in trouble for that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these people, they're snitching on me because I said one day I want to own my own business. I'm 20, I'm 21 years old. Of course, my dream is not to work at Aldi for the next 30 years. So I was like, I have got to get out of here. I have I need a plan, you know? And that's when I realized that like corporate life wasn't for me because it was, there's nothing wrong with a corporate job, right? Mm-hmm. My husband has a corporate job, you know, he works in IT. But my thing is, it's not. It has a. It has a feeling. You know, there's only mm-hmm. so much money you can make. There's, mm-hmm. you know, and someone else kind of has all of your cards. So mm-hmm. if and people look at entrepreneurship and say that it's so risky, it is risky. I'm not get you wrong. <laughs> you definitely have to have some kind of, you know, gumption about you. You have to be strong and really believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's very risky having one employer. You know, <laughs> yeah. one way that you can yep. make money. One exactly. way that. All of your your family depends on that one job. Yep. And when they're ready to close up shop or close your position or give it to somebody else, you're done. And then you mm-hmm. have to find another place. And still, you're investing all of your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, at least you're developing a million different skills so that if you do run out of this, if this certain, you know, lane for making money shuts down, you can create another one because you see opportunities, you know, how to make lemonade with lemons. So. Exactly. That's my story. And that's why I decided to go into entrepreneurship because I knew that it had a much bigger future in it for me than working at a desk. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think, um, <laughs> you know, Brian and I, we were just talking about that because he just recently quit, but all the way I up until, that. yeah, all the way up until he quit, you know, and we weren't even thinking about quitting, you know, with him quitting, but he would always come home like these jokers been working here for 50 years. I don't want to be working here for 50 years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, it was yeah. just crazy when you say that. Like right. that's the man. So that's funny. Let's get into the questions. Tell me about your best hair day ever. And this is just not any ordinary, you know, day. You know, us as women, we know that our hair is our glory, it's our pride. And when we have that like day where it just falls into every curl place that you want it, it's like we can go out and do anything. I want to know about that day. What was the best hair day that you ever had? So it's funny because I'm, I guess I own a hair company, but hair is like, I don't know, it was something that kind of came naturally for me. So it was never a, um, I'm so proud of my hair this day. Like, oh, look at this. If I get a compliment from my husband, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm good. You know, I don't need anybody else telling my hair looks good. But there was one day when we were working on the flaxseed gel. The flaxseed gel is like our number one selling product. It used to be a curl mix box and then it got so big. We started pre-making it for our customers, and then we reformulated it so that it would last for a very long time. And it's really special because, you know, the only way you can get flaxseed gel is if you make it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we started producing that for our customers. But while I, and I was in the testing phase, right, so I didn't know if this gel was going to work. You know, if I would test it on my hair, and then I would, like, run to the store and help me to do something. And when I ran to the store, I got, like, 20 different compliments um, within a few hours. Like, oh, my gosh, this is your hair. You look so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. And I'm just like, what? Like, right. I'm just testing out this gel, you know? Like, this is not a big deal. And I could just not every time I would go out with the tested product in my hair, even if I had, like, some white film in it from the first recipe or whatever, people were just, just going crazy over my hair. And I was like, all right. Like, I have a winner on my hands. I cannot wait till I launch this. People are going to love it. <laughs> right. 
And so that was my best hair day ever. And I have to say that was a couple months ago. Okay. I was in shock. Wow. I was in shock. I didn't know people were going <laughs> to love it so much. Right. Okay. Well, on the opposite end, have you ever experienced a bad hair day, like one of your worst hair days? And this is when nothing goes right. You don't want to leave the house. You're feeling horrible, ugly. It's like, okay, you know, this is a day I'm just going to stay in. You know, it's funny because, you know, like I said, I'm not really like, hair doesn't sway my mood like that. Mm-hmm. So at first I was like, you know, no, I haven't really had any hair days and maybe so that is secure. But I will say I had a haircut that I felt like almost ruined my self-esteem um, because I, so my hair, uh, what was it, a couple of years ago, my cousin, and I'm willing, to, and this is when I was more experimental and just real chill about my hair. Mm-hmm. I was getting a cut and I wanted this taper cut and I didn't want to spend, you know, the $100 on a diva cut at the time. Mm-hmm. And so my cousin was in hair school and I was like, you know what, you can go ahead and give me this taper. This should be pretty easy. When she cut my hair, she took, it was lopsided. It was, it was not a taper. It was like half gone on the bottom. And then she left like, it was uneven on the top. And at the time I had gained more weight. So I was just like, this is, my hair is ruined. And I had very long hair before she did this. So I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I was so embarrassed. I was just happy I was married and I didn't have to date. Because <laughs> I, I felt so bad about my hair. And I haven't let her do my hair since. And I, I think she's gotten better. <laughs> and she's more talented now. I know. She's been doing it for a couple of years. She got her license now. But that just that just hurt my heart so bad. And, like, now I, I just get professional cuts. If it's ever something that serious, like a tape or anything like that, I don't, I don't go to students anymore for that (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) okay in the whole natural hair community everyone has an opinion about what natural is and what it's not so in your own words how would you describe being natural I think natural for me is more of a scientific definition it is like the lowest manipulation of your well when your hair is not chemically treated so if it's not, so like, cause I, well, your hair is not chemically treated. And when I say chemically treated, I mean, if you chemically alter the texture or the color, because like, yes, you can still have a natural texture with the color, but when you alter your hair chemically with dyes, it changes your hair. It, it, it's not, there's no argument about it. It's like, oh, well, my hair still looks the same. Like, no, if you did a porosity test, you know, the part that's color treated, is going to soak up more water faster than the hair that's not chemically treated. Because any time that you, and I guess I've learned this from my friend who's a cosmetic chemist, any time that you touch the hair with a comb or brush, you're adding some kind of damage to the hair. Because mm-hmm. the hair is like, you know, roof, like roof tiles. You know, they're kind of slanted, going all the way down. That's like the mm-hmm. cuticle layer of your hair. And every time you shampoo it or comb it or brush it, you're lifting those cuticle layers up. And then when you condition it, you're closing it. And then mm-hmm. when you do something like chemical treatment, like a dye or a relaxer or a keratin treatment, you are kind of blowing those cuticles wide open so that your hair isn't as kinky or curly and it's going to be a bit limp afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's going to make your curl a bit looser, this, that, and the other. And so to me, that's not necessarily your natural texture. It's not the texture you were born with. It's been altered and chemically, which means that you're not going to be able to revert that hair. It's going to be, you're going to have to wait to grow out new hair in order for it to be natural like the hair that you know you were born with. So to me, it's just hair that's not chemically treated. That's what I would define natural as. Okay. Awesome. I'm sure some people will disagree 
And they're like, I'm natural. I just got a little bit of diet. That's fine. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying you can't. You can be whatever you want to be. I don't care. <laughs> but it's no, I, me, I, I, that's how I define it, you know? Right. I'm following you. <laughs> because, you know, I actually heard that before for, from someone else. It's like, if you don't do anything to your hair, you know, because anytime you pick, like you were saying, anytime you pick up a comb, if you shampoo, whatever, you're actually, you know, you're doing something to it. So it's like, right. So, right. Yeah. So I'm following. My definition isn't even right. Some people say that <laughs> you need to be even more organic and natural and not do anything to your hair. Right. And, you know, that's, you probably right. That's more of a, more of a natural version of, you know, being natural than, you know, doing a flat on every once in a while or blow drying or whatever. Because I still add heat to my hair every once in a while, maybe a couple of times a year. But I do know that it's altering the state of my hair every time that I do it. Right. Um, and then, and I'm also a believer that if you're going to chemically treat your hair, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm a chemical, chemically treated. And then, okay, I want all natural organic products because <laughs> your hair, right? Because it doesn't, because your hair needs specific kinds of attention after that, you know? Right. You certain products that are going to help you maintain that color. And yep. not strip it because some natural ingredients will strip that color. So yep. that's something like, there's no sense in trying to be natural and organic. You don't relax your hair. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. You, you might as well go you, all the way. <laughs> you need a certain kind of upkeep. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And I feel the same way about people who have curly hair or natural hair that they color treat. You're going to need special products that color treat hair. So, yeah. you know, it's, you know, yep, let go I of the term, you know, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I said this because I had color treated hair. I had a uh, culture here on my natural hair and I was like, this is not the same. Yeah, it's all. not. And I try, it's like, I always try and warn people like, stay away from color because you don't know how it's going. Most of the time it don't turn out right. <laughs> right. Most of the time, because it is a chemical treatment. And so people, they still do it. And then they come back and say, you were right. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people who color your hair, they don't know. I don't want to say that some people don't, some people don't know what they're doing, right? Yeah. Like when they put the shower cap on there and they put you under the dryer so they can be heat, but so heat treated and chemically treated, it's like mm-hmm. that's going to look like wide, wide open. You're going to be limp afterwards. It's going to change your texture. And so, like, the proper way to color is to let it take, you know, to not put anything on the hair after mm-hmm. you put it down there and then just let it sit until it's ready to be rinsed off. Don't use any additional heat when you're getting it colored. It's just so many things. Right. Um. You just never know what you're getting. So I just haven't gotten in a while. I might go back and get some, but it kind of damaged my hair a whole, whole lot. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that again. Or at least not right. blonde, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you, doing just going out into business, stepping out into the entrepreneurship world, did you experience, uh, did you have a fear or experience an obstacle that may have, and you touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but, you know, that may have delayed you in starting it? Because some people, they will have this idea and they're like on fire about it. And then something happened and it kind of delayed them from starting it because, you know, that fear kind of like took over them and they, you know, delayed it for a minute. Have you ever experienced that? I did. And that, and I kind of touched on it earlier, but in between my transition from the Natural Hair Academy to Chromex, I was kind of like, I guess my husband said he thought I was depressed because I was kind of, I was, you know, said my first business failed, but I was kind of afraid to start a new one because I didn't know if it was going to actually make money. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to take us through the whole year or two cycle of not making any money again. And my husband was just kind of like, if you don't start, you know, you're going to be in the same position now that you are, you know, a year from now, you know, mm-hmm. so it was just like, 
he's like, I'm willing to bet on you because I know that you can do it. So he kind of was one of the, like, the driving forces behind me and keeping, keep going, you know, to keep me going. Right. So I think that's wonderful to have someone in your life like that who's going to be encouraging and know that, you know, when you're, that you're capable and mm-hmm. to remind you of that when you feel like you aren't. Uh, and I know that that's like a special thing. That could be your best friend. That could be your mom. That could be your husband, your wife, whoever. And then also, I feel like validation when people you talk to people and they're willing to give you money for what for your idea before mm-hmm. you actually have a product, then that will also motivate you to continue or to start or to keep going because you're like, well, dang, people actually <laughs> want this, you know? And so right. it's like it's not just me. I'm not crazy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the sooner you can get somebody to give you cash for your idea, the easier I think it is to start your business. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So you get to that first customer. First customer. Oh, yeah. To, that first one. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever a time in your life where you felt you had to fit in? And, you know, back to childhood, high school, work, or whatever. Sometimes we go through these moments where it's like either you're going to be the eyeball out and be, you know, by yourself, or you gonna choose say, you know what, let me just bite the dust and try and fit in. Have you ever experienced that? I have, and this might, this might, I don't know. I hope it doesn't offend anyone or bother anyone, but there was a time in my life where I was uh, super Christian and super religious uh, <laughs> back when I was in high school. <laughs> and, you know, it, to be Black is almost to be Christian. Like, that is, it is very much ingrained in our culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that's how the civil rights movement happened. That's how a lot of our communities are started. That's how we all have a lot of the same shared experiences and we can kind of have a black culture, you know, with like, oh, the old church mother or the church saints or the something. Like, you know, that's just kind of the home of the, you know, church, right. that's kind of like a part of our culture. And so when I started to doubt those things or question those, those things, I felt like an eyeball out. And, you know, and, and a lot of people kind of made me feel that way, too. Like, well, what do you mean? How could you ever think that? Or how could you, you know, the, you, I felt like I needed to fit in. And so mm-hmm. trying to be the best Christian I could be was my my effort to fit into my community. So, yeah, that's that was a time where I think I, I felt like that. And I felt like that for a long time, I think, up until maybe after after college is when I stopped feeling like that. Yeah. And that is, it's, that's a a pain point. I think for a lot of black people, because like you said, it's, it's ingrained in us, you know, from when we're born. So that's all we know. And then if there's someone Mm -hmm. who say, well, I may not believe it anymore, or I'm questioning, (laughs) it's like, you looked at like you, the devil's child, like what? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Get thee behind me, Satan. That, that is And see, and even me knowing that saying and not being Christian, like that's because it's so ingrained. It's, it's yep. very much a part of our culture. <laughs> so the saying is that you are the five people you hang around. You know, you become, you at like, you know, the same birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, have you ever had to change or drop friendships because you felt like, you know, you kind of changed. You you all weren't going in the same direction or they weren't going in the same direction that you wanted to go in. And so you made the executive decision and say, you know what, I I have to leave. You know, I'm going into another direction and y'all aren't going there. I think I had this revelation a lot earlier, I think, than most people, because 
I feel like I got very particular about my friendships when I was in high school. I was in, like, a special, like, nerdy kids program, and a lot of my friends um, were really, really intelligent, really smart. Some of them came from, like, well-off families, some of them didn't, and I, because I didn't either. I came, we were broke, you know, I came from a very poor family, and I kind of started kind of cutting friends off when I saw how they were. Like, I had one friend who I went to the gas station with one time, and she asked me to, like, hold her bag of chips, and... You know, and I gave them back to her before we left out. Oh, when we left out the store or whatever, because mm-hmm. I thought she had purchased them. But then I realized, and she was like, "Girl, no, I ain't pay for these or whatever." When we got outside of the store, so it was like, "You had me steal your chips," and I didn't even know. Like I was like, "What kind of friend are you that right. you're gonna have me, you know, participate in your robbery and not even <laughs> include me on it? You're just gonna use me?" I was like, "Oh no!" Like we, I stopped being friends with her almost immediately. Not oh, wow. where this is going. Um, so I just kind of early on in my life, I kind of like those toxic people. I kind of let go of, and I had to say cut out because I didn't. I don't. I don't like cutting people out because mm-hmm. I think that if you can't manage relationships, then what can you do? It's more impressive to me that you're able to manage them than throw them away, because I think throwing people away is very easy, but to work through your problems or to at least come to a point where I'm not hating you. I'm just, you know, I've kind of just walked away. Like, you know, we can still be cordial. We can still say, hey, on Facebook, but that's all that. I'd rather that be the situation than to just, like, let you go and just like, oh, you're trash in my mind, you know? hmm As an adult, it's not so much throwing people away as it is choosing who I want to spend my time with. So I don't have to cut off. I don't have to say, I'm never talking to you again. I don't have to make this big old scene. If I don't want to be friends with you, you know what I mean? I right. can just stop calling you. I can just start calling other people and spending right. my time with other people. So, and but because I, I was so particular about my friendships back then, mm-hmm. I think it really helped me to have really good connections with people I have now. So I don't, I haven't done that. I haven't cut anybody off in the last few years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have very valuable friendships. I just make, I'm intentional about who I call, who I'm on the phone with for longer than, you know, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. and who I'm doing lunch dates with. You know, I'm making sure that there are people who, you know, I can build up and that can build me up that, you know, our futures and, you know, in 20 years, I still want to be friends with this person. Right. And that's what those are the people I'm hanging out with now, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's so important how, you, you know, you said that can build you up and you build them up because in relationship, it has to be a give and take because if you're giving more and they're receiving, it's like you're going to be taxed at the end of the day. So, it's you know, has for me if I can't ask for advice from you. Exactly, and you know, as an adult, like you were saying, you know, it's not it's not gonna be a whole drawn out like we're not friends anymore. It's like you know what, I'm just gonna stop calling you, <laughs> and I'm not gonna <laughs> answer your phone if you call me. <laughs> right, right, or it's like you know, yeah, you just have you limit communication. You don't have to right. cut people off. That's just extra, that's just extra drama. Then they're gonna call you. Well, why? What's going on? Right, you know, right. You know, you could have just let it, just let it kind of passively go away. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the whole natural world, we transition from one stage to the next, and you know, and in that transitional stage, we're trying to get to know our hair. And in life, we have these same transitional stages, and except only this time, we don't choose the transition. It kind of like chooses us. And, mm-hmm. you know, during that time, we feel like, okay, we don't know what what's going on, you know, so has what best piece of advice would you give someone 
who is going through a transitional time. This is going to be so lighthearted and it's going to sound so silly, but it's just hair. Like (laughs) (laughs) I have a hair company and it's just hair. Like it's going to grow, you know, and there's nothing you can do to really make it grow faster. You know, you just have to be patient with your hair and just embrace what it looks like. And it's just hair. <laughs> like there's, there's, you, you have, you have clean water, you know, you have your health, you have everything else going on with you. And, you know, to be so focused on how long your hair is at a specific point in time, it's just, it's so trivial, you know, like there's mm-hmm. so many more important things going on in, on in life. Hair is an accessory and, and it's beautiful and it's fun. But at the end of the day, it's just hair and focus on like what really matters. And before you know it, your hair will be longer than you ever imagined, you know? So that's, yep. that's my advice. It's just not take it so seriously. Right. And it's hard because we grow up with so much pressure and so much nitpicking from our grandparents and our mothers or whatever about <laughs> what our hair looks like and being presentable yep. and this and the other. And it's just like, they live in a different time, okay? Like, <laughs> that's not our reality. And it's just hair. I just, I, I just kept repeating that to myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes we can. We can go overboard and it's like, we feel like we we have died. Exactly. <laughs> you know? so. And it's not ever that deep, ever. Right. You know? <laughs> Here we define your best hair day as being your best version. And that's when your mind, body, and soul have united. And for with that being said, do you feel like you have arrived at your best hair day ever? No. And I only say that because I'm in a transitional stage in my life right now. Like, I'm getting ready to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, my business is pivoting to more of a uh, focus more on our traditional e-commerce platform. And, you know, me and my husband we just bought a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been in here. I haven't even been six months yet, I don't think. So, like, there's so many changes going on in my life that I feel like I haven't settled in my peace yet you know because I'm just trying to figure out a bunch of different moving parts I'll say that I'm very close and I'm closer than I've ever been to that piece but it's it's coming I know I know it's in the future I know it's it's just ahead of me it's not far out of reach but I know it's coming and I think once I have fewer changes going on in my life and my things are more settled then my mind body and soul will kind of be in one because right now I feel like my body's not mine I feel like (laughs) my body belongs to my baby Um, (laughs) and he's doing whatever he wants (laughs) <laughs> and and I don't think it'll be mine even after birth because I'm going to be breastfeeding for another year I think once mm-hmm. I'm like past that stage of like new motherhood mm-hmm. and I'm kind of in a stage where I'm like my I'm more in control of my health because you know I'm more fit I'm working out regularly I have a, a diet that's a healthy lifestyle and my business is more on the up and up like right. consistency because I just you know we're pivoting so mm-hmm. once I'm there I think I'll be at my best hair day ever. But right now I'm still in transition. You know, I'm still transitioning. Yeah, that whole breastfeeding, it it won't be yours. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But it's got to be awesome. It is got to be awesome. Amazing feeling. So let's go into the fabulous five questions. What is your favorite hairstyle? Ooh, I would have to say I like mm, I like a, a good blowout. A good blowout that's like a twist out on a blowout. Those I think oh. are really fabulous, but I don't even do those often. 
Okay. The hair style I wear the most often is like a wash and go or something. But my like my favorite is like a blowout because it's just so big and it just <laughs> it commands attention. You know, so like when people walk in the room, they're like, oh my gosh, your hair is so beautiful. You know, it's just so big. <laughs> and then it shows like the true length of like natural hair. So I think that's one of my favorites. Uh, what is your favorite hair product? Our Chromex Flaxseed Gel. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite motivational book? Motivational book. I don't really read motivational books. I know that's so sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read business books because I'm, I'm sorry. I'm you know, what is your fact? Because I don't read motivational books. either. I don't get motivated by anything. <laughs> but I do <laughs> love reading like about health and science and all of that stuff. So mm. what is your favorite book in general? I prefer, well, is there, I prefer podcasts. So my favorite, so where I get, I get my like, motivation from might be like a, a podcast from another female entrepreneur or like a How I Built This from another female entrepreneur. Those things kind of get me like, oh man, okay, I, I'm gonna get back to work right now because I that was such a good uh, podcast and it's, it's really inspiring me. So mm-hmm. I would say more on the podcast lane is my thing. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know what motivation is like as you you re- as you get older. It's like to me, is is no motivation. It's just sometimes people can say certain things that can speak to you, and it's like, mm, oh, yeah. okay, I never thought about it like that. So yeah, right. <laughs> Who is your favorite YouTuber? <laughs> Natural eighty five. Well, actually, mm, you know what? No, Natural Chica. She was the first person <laughs> I was watching, and even though she doesn't do this anymore, and I know she's like a yogi now, and she moved to Playa del Carmen in Mexico with her baby and her husband, and she's like a yogi. She's a totally different person now. But she was the one who inspired me to go natural. And so I just been watching all her tutorials my sophomore year in college. And that's kind of what led me to my big shop. So she, she will always be my favorite. I actually was starstruck when I met her. And now, like, we're friends. And I think kind of, like, internet friends. She likes my stuff on Instagram. I personally Instagram. I follow her. You know, we just go back and forth saying, hi, how are you doing? So we have a much more, like, friendship now, internet friendship. But um, when I first met her, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so she will forever be my favorite okay what is next for you we know you you're about to have a baby but other than that what us entrepreneurs we always have something <laughs> you know what is next for you what are the next steps really just growing the the, the gel so right now the gel is aligned it's okay. five different versions of the flaxseed gel We're pretty much one of the you can get it from like makers on Etsy, but mm-hmm. very few product companies actually produce it because it's labor intensive. Mm-hmm. We found a way to make it more efficient on the manufacturing side and to preserve it so that the customers can have it in their home for up to a year. You know, with no bacteria or mold growing in mm-hmm. it, anything, like anything like that, and it's you don't have to make it yourself. So it's our right. best-selling product, and we are going to uh, try to launch it on a bigger scale at the beginning of next year. So okay. in January, so check this out. This is January. We're probably doing a big PR push, and you probably see our jail in a lot of different places. And then we're also uh, probably going to move into a retail location here in Chicago next year, where people can come in and we'll have workshops for making your own hair products. So okay. it'll, you know, we'll have a few workshops a week, and you can also come in and build your own custom hair and body butters and hot oil treatments. So you take all of your butters and your fragrances, and you know, you get a custom butter as you walk in the door. So. I know we're doing that next year as well. Awesome. That's what I'm looking forward to. And yes, definitely check back in with us and see how we're doing. 
Lastly, how can our listeners connect with you? On what platforms can they find you? Chromix. We're coming from everything. C-U-R-L-M-I-X. On Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, if you want to connect with me personally, my personal Instagram is Kim and Kim Lewis. So A-N-D, uh, K-I-M, A-N-D, T-I-M, L-E-W-I-S. So that's where I post all of my personal life happenings and things like that. Awesome. Well, we truly thank you for sitting down and chatting with us. We truly appreciate it. I know I enjoyed the conversation and I hope our listeners uh, will as well. Well, thank you for having me. This is a, I had a wonderful time talking to you for sure. Awesome. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening and we will talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to your best hair day ever podcast. And we hope you heard some inspiring words from today's guest. If you want to get some products that will help you have your best hair day ever, head over to everbutter.com forward slash podcast for a very special offer on some fabulous all natural products. Until next time, make every day your best hair day ever. 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 Your best hair day ever.